I'm Greg. I'm one of the pastors here at Grace Community Church. And um, let me add my welcome to everyone. Uh, during the summertime, it's, uh, it's nice because we actually get some opportunity to maybe uh, take a little break from some of the series we're in and touch on various topics that, that we feel would be helpful to address the church in. And uh, this, this topic on corporate worship was something that was really on my heart um, and talked with the team over the last couple months or so, and they felt that it would be really helpful. We haven't really talked about this in years, maybe, maybe more than 10 years since we've really talked to the church as a, as, a, as a whole about these things. And I really feel like, you know, God is doing something pretty exciting in our church right now, and, and I've really seen uh, a stirring in people's desires and hearts, uh, not only for, you know, the singing corporately together, but also just, you know, in prayer and, and many other areas. So I just want to fan that a little bit with our, with our time today. And so, um, as you see here, it's corporate worship. I, I, years, years ago, if we can do that next slide, uh, years ago, I mentioned that word corporate, you know, something about our corporate meetings, and someone says, yeah, you guys are all becoming just very business-like or something like that. Corporate doesn't not mean that. That's not how we're using that word. It has to do with, you know, when we gather together to worship, uh, specific, specifically on Sunday mornings, and uh, it has that idea of when we gather and just, uh, uh, you know, I think that there's uh, instruction I think will help us in our, specifically related to our singing times together. So I wanted to, to, uh, to get into that. I'm going to be drawing significantly from a book uh, by Bob Coughlin called Worship Matters. And um, so I would commend you to that book. That's really probably one of the best books I'd found on that topic uh, on Sunday gatherings together in terms of the worship. So if you get a chance, you might want to look at that. Um, but the big idea that I think we're going to be talking about today is this. Can we have the next slide? Oh, that's not it. Okay. Hold that. I'll get back to the big idea then. Uh, let me pray before we get started. Lord, I, I'm just asking you that you would use me and help me in my speaking today to really communicate in a helpful way, in a clear way, in a, in a way that stirs affections and desires for you, uh, an understanding of what worship is and what it's not, uh, a desire, Lord, in us that would be growing, Lord, to make every aspect of our life a, a, a worshipful event in whatever we do, whether we sing, whether we eat, whether we work, whether we serve in ministries, whatever we do, Lord, we want to do for your glory. And we ask, Lord, that you would use this time uh, to humble us and humble our hearts and minds. Lord, give us an eagerness to know your truth, to know your ways, to apply them and to bring glory to you, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I want to talk to you about a, an illustration I think I want to start off with because I think that'll help make a point. You know, a lot of times illustrations in and of themselves, they have their flaws. So don't, you know, don't overanalyze what I'm, the Christmas piece of this. Uh, but I want to give this to you to kind of stir your thinking as we get into worship. So Christmas, you know, when you think about Christmas, for some people, you know, this is the picture they think about. Think about family together, think about decorations, think about just all the things that kind of the cozy time to be with one another, maybe hot chocolate and uh, Christmas cookies and things like that. Let's don't do that yet. Hold it. <laughs> just one. Back up. There we go. 
I'll kill you. <laughs> so many of us, you know, for Christmas, we just long for that opportunity to be with our family, to be together as a family. Uh, for others, it would be the second picture here. It's getting together with extended family or, or, or with groups of people. Uh, many times your kids have been away at college or, you know, it's it, maybe your, your grandparents. This is when you get to see them and cousins and so forth. And you all kind of get together. And to you, Christmas time is really about being together as a family and just loving on each other and singing songs together and opening gifts together. And, and when you think about the Christmas season, that's what you get especially excited about. Or maybe for you, uh, it's this third one. Maybe it's a season that you think about of really serving and helping others. Like we have Angel Tree, and we've done that for 20-some, 30 years. And uh, it, it's to you, when you think about Christmas, the meaningful thing about Christmas is this is my opportunity to really give to others and to, take and to, to give to people who really don't have uh, family or possessions. And so for, for each one of these things, these are all very good things and things that I, I hope you will enjoy this Christmas season. And, uh, and yet, as we know, the thing that's missing from this picture is probably is the, really the, the central message of the Christmas season, which is this picture. Um, if, if Christmas isn't predominantly focused on the humility of the Son of God to leave the glory of his, of his heavenly home, to be born in a manger, to, be, uh, to, be, to live a life, an obscure life, a life that's, uh, that's relatively without the, the comforts, the pleasures of life, to suffer eventually on a cross and die for our sins, to be buried and raised from the dead. If this isn't the picture of what, it, that what we're really celebrating, we've kind of missed the boat. We've missed the most important aspect of what the Christmas season is all about. Again, that's not to say these other things aren't good, but we can drift from that core message, from that truth, and find ourselves really excited about and thinking about and celebrating all these other things and really minimize the passion that we should have for the Son of God. So in like manner, we have our worship time together. And so this first slide. Maybe for you, when you think about worship, you think about a particular kind of music. There's a style of music that you really get into. It's like, Hey, when I worship, I, I have to listen to this station or this kind of music or this kind of way that it's, music is sung. And so you kind of get this, this thinking about worship is, it's a style of music, it's a particular artist, it's a particular song leader, it's a particular way of, of singing the words or something like that. And you just say, you know, when I worship, I can't worship to anything else but this kind of music. And for some people, that's their experience or that's their thinking. And then there's the second thing. And perhaps, you know, when you think about good worship, you think about the musicianship. You think about a particular worship leader, particular artist. Somebody, you know, when they sing, or if they're going to have a concert, I'm going to be there because I can really worship at that. You know, when I hear that music, when I have that, uh, that band, I don't know, it just moves me. It just gets me going. And then we have this third picture. And this picture of someone who's being deeply impacted. When you think about good worship, it's like, wow, I remember that time. That's when, like, God really just knocked me down. You know, I was just so impacted by the power of God, the presence of God. 
you know, there was just like, I was weeping, I was giddy, I was laughing. You know, that to me, like, that is worship. That is good worship when I'm kind of moved by worship and where God is really speaking to me. And we forget, you know, that the, that the, that the real purpose and the real central uh, person of worship is not us and not what we like and not about what we prefer, but it's about Jesus. Picture. <laughs> now, it's hard to pick a picture of Jesus, by the way, because there's not any pictures about Jesus that we have. So this is from The Chosen. If you don't like this picture of Jesus, we're not worshiping Jesus in this picture. <laughs> but for some of you, this is like your most recent thinking about this is what it looked like. But the point isn't about the image. The, 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 pers- the purpose of our worship is a person and a, a particular person that we really focus in on when we are worshiping together, and that's God, and specifically Jesus Christ. And our big idea that we're going to have for our time together is this. It says, we worship in song our great God who reveals who he is and what he's done. If we can have the big idea. Do we have that? Next slide. Nope, we don't have it. All right. You'll see it later. There's another one back at the end. The big idea is this. It's uh, that we worship in song our great God who reveals who he is and what he has done. And so um, for our time together, I want to talk about three different questions. One question is, why do we sing? What fuels our singing? And what makes our singing true worship? So the first point here, why do we sing? Well, look at a, a quote here by John Stott. John Stott said this, he said, all true worship is a response to the self-revelation of God in Christ in Scripture and arises from our reflection of who he is and what he has done. The worship of God is evoked, informed, and inspired by the vision of God. The true knowledge of God will always lead us to worship. Worship is our response to seeing a revelation or a reminder of who God is. It stirs something in us. It, it evokes a response in us. It reminds us of who he is and what he's done for us. This is why we sing. In Psalm 108, verse 1, it says this. My heart is steadfast, O God. I will sing and make melody with all my being. This is one way that we worship, is singing. A lot of times when we talk about worship in general, we, we think about singing. But this psalmist was, was really saying, my heart is set, oh God. My heart is steadfast. I'm not moving off this. I will sing and make melody with all my being. There's a response here to God in light of who he is, in, what, in light of what he's done. A response of a wholehearted, I'm going to sing with my whole being. But it's more than just using our mouth because we see... Uh, where Jesus talked in Matthew chapter 15, verses 8 and 9, he's talking about people who just kind of outwardly went through the motions. And he said this, he said, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me. So there's this, there's this temptation in singing and in many other things that we do corporately together is kind of just do it outwardly. 
kind of go through the motions, kind of do what everybody else is doing, but inwardly our heart is not there. Perhaps there's a sinful attitude. Maybe there's an anger attitude, a bitterness attitude, a lazy attitude. Maybe there's just things that aren't quote-unquote sinful, but they're just distractions, preparations for lunchtime, thinking about the game that's going to be on in an hour or two from now. Maybe there's a conflict going on between you and somebody else, and that somebody else is in the room, and you're just stewing over that. You're thinking about that. And you know, Jesus really wants a wholehearted response. He wants a wholehearted response. In fact, when he was talking about you know, two people who had conflict from each other, he says in, in Matthew chapter 5, he says, look, if you're bringing a gift to me, if you're bringing a sacrifice to me, and you know and you remember in your heart you got an issue with somebody, put that sacrifice down, put that offering down, go, go get that right so that you can come back you know, and not have that issue going on between you, because I'm looking for your whole heart. I, I want your devotion. <laughs> I want, your, I want your response to be, when you're worshiping me and you're singing all these words about me, I want that to be heartfelt. I want it to be a genuine sacrifice of praise. In Luke chapter 4, verse 8, Jesus, when he was facing his own set of temptations, you know, by the enemy, he said to, to the devil, it says, it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. So he was, was focused, he was laser focused, like, I, I want to worship God. I want to give him total obedience and magnify his name and glorify him and all that I do and say. So what, what fuels our singing? What fuels our singing? Bob Coughlin in his book said this, he said, if our songs aren't specific, about God's nature, character, and acts. We'll tend to associate worship with a style of music, a heightened emotional state, a type of architecture, a day of the week, a meeting, a, a, a reverent mood, a time of singing, a sound. We'll think of all the things that accompany worship rather than the one we're worshiping. Worse, we'll create our own views of God, portraying Him as we'd like to think of Him. You see, if we don't... If we don't understand you know what worship is really for and what it's about we'll pretty much gravitate to associations that we think of as worship like we talked about the song selection you know, the style of music our personal opinions all these things and if it's not specifically worshiping God for something it becomes just very rote for us Lord, thank you that you love me. I know you love me. Thank you for your love. And if it's just kind of vaguely statements, though at moments those can be very precious in our, in our expression to God, but if that's all there is, you know, we've not, really, we've not really done our work, so to speak, and really found out who is this God who loves us? What is, his, what is he like? What does the scriptures tell about us? Tell about him. So what fuels, the first thing I think about is the word of God. Again, Bob Coughlin said, our worship isn't based on personal opinions, ideas, or best guesses about Jesus. 
nor do we base our understanding of him on anyone's individual experiences. He has a name, a particular history, specifically revealed body of teaching. God has theology. Will we sharpen our own biblical understanding to find out what it is? Well, you know, God has a theology. That means, the word theology just means a study of God. There's, there's a true understanding of what God wants us to know about him, and it's revealed to us in his word. He lets us know exactly what he wants us to, to hear and know about him. Now, you may have your thoughts about it. You may have somebody tell you about their experience, but all those things need to be submitted to what God has told us, this is who I am. This is who the word says I am. This is how you can, you can understand how to approach me. This is how you can understand how I'm thinking about you. And if we don't, if we don't really zero in on that, that, those are the things that we can know. Those are the things that we can be confident in is what God's word tells us about God's nature, his character, and his acts. Otherwise, we're kind of left up to what we think, what we feel. If we move away from what the scripture says, we'll create a God that we like, who's kind of in our image, who kind of does things that we think are good, the way we'd like him to respond. And so when we move away from worshiping the God who is and who was and who is to come, and he's, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever, if we move away from that to create a God that we like better, we're not worshiping the God of the Bible any longer. So it, it does us well to be students of the Bible, to be students of what God says, to listen carefully when we hear teachings or when we hear uh, when we see doctrine or truth revealed in the song. Psalm 56, verse 10 and 11, again, takes this and shows how the word is related even to our praise. In God, whose word I praise in the Lord, whose word I praise, in God I trust, I will not be afraid. You see, his word gives us, gives us an opportunity to respond differently than what we feel. His word teaches us what's really true and, and, and helps us understand who God really is. In his word, I praise. He goes specifically here in Psalm 56. He says, in God, I trust. I will not be afraid. How do you deal with fears? Well, you, you go and find out, well, what does God say about himself, about how he responds, of how, how we can trust him? I mean, to some degree, you know, I think people see the grace of God in, in my life, in my family's life, you know, in the loss of my wife. And how is it that I can respond differently to, to that? And, and I'm not perfect, so please, I'm not saying that I've got it all together, you know. But I'm saying this. In God, I've put my trust. And I'm not afraid. I'm not angry. I'm not frustrated. Because I believe God's word. I believe what God says about himself. I believe what he said about his ways. And so his word is so central to our worship, to our response to God, our responding to who he is and how we live out our lives. It's, it's core. And that's where we can stand. Even when we don't agree, we don't like it, we don't, whatever, you know, we can stand because we know what's true because of his word. Psalm 19 says, the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. 
The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise is simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. You see, if you want your soul revived, you're going to need the word of God. If you want to be rejoicing again, you're going to need the precepts of, of the Lord. You're going to need God's word because life is hard and life is difficult and trials will come. And you won't get what you like or what you want. But as you, as you stand on God's truth and who God's character is, what his nature is, what his promises are, when you, when you stand on those things, you, won't be, you, don't, you don't need to be afraid, especially if you believe them. What else fuels our singing? Well, the nature of God, what he's like, fuels the singing. John Owen said this, he said, we must not allow ourselves to be satisfied with vague ideas of the love of Christ, which present nothing of his glory to our minds. Psalm 145 says this, great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. His greatness is unsearchable. That means you, you're not going to be able to, you're not going to figure it all out before we, he comes back. In fact, for eternity, we'll be learning about him. We're not going to, we're not going to, you know, complete this course of study of, of the nature of God. The Lord, and he gives us a, a sampling of things that we can know about his nature. The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. He has a covenant love with you. He's not going he's not gonna, he's not gonna to turn away from you. He's not going to give up on you. The Lord is good to all, and his mercy is over all he has made. And so, if you don't believe these things, the word is where you need to go and, and re restudy these things again, or look at them again, because that's where you're going to find God to, to help your understanding of his nature. Romans 11.33 says this, oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. It's a worthy task that we have to try and get to know his nature. What also fuels our singing? It's the works of God. So we talked about the word of God, the nature of God, now the works of God. David said this, he said, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that's within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. See, he's calling us to remember what he's done, both in the scriptures and you can even remember what he's done around you and in your life. Forget not all his benefits. In fact, it talks about, I believe it's in the Psalms around 75 or 78, the Psalms about how a whole generation walked away from God because they forgot what he did. They forgot who he was. And so they just turned away from God. So it's important that we remind ourselves of all that he's done and bless him for those things. Verse 3, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Do you feel like you need to be renewed? You kind of like lost your, your, your passion for God, lost your desire to really know him and serve him, don't have the energy to read his Bible anymore or even to be together with his people. 
you, you would do well, and I would do well, to not forget his works, to for, not forget the good things that he's done, and to, and to praise him for those things. You know, David here is speaking to his own soul, to his emotions. He said, look, listen, soul, you bless God, and all that's in you, you bless his holy name. And you may think, I don't, need to be, I don't want to be a hypocrite, I don't want to just go through the motions. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to, I don't want, I want to be authentic with God. And yet this is the instruction of God is your soul needs reviving. If you wait for your, your soul, your emotions to catch up, you won't get there. But if you offer a sacrifice of blessing and thanksgiving, you think through the things that God has done well for you that you can understand. And even if you don't understand those, you thank God, you praise God for those things. Your heart will change. Your, your soul will start catching up with what it is you're saying. And that's not hypocritical because you're, you're intentionally seeking to know God. You're intentionally seeking to address your soul, your weary soul, your wounded soul. Psalm 105, verse 2. Sing to him. Sing praises to him. Tell of all his wondrous works. Um... Could I appeal to, to you all? You may not think that you have a good voice. You may feel like this isn't the songs you like or something like that. But could I appeal to you that you would, you would see this as a, a call from God as your priestly duty? Sing to him, sing praises to him, that this is what he calls us to do in our worship time together. I mean, this is one way that we, that we can... Uh, together exalt God. It's one way we do it together. Psalm 111, verse 2. Great are the works of the Lord, studied by all who delight in them. And when we think about the works of God, we would come to the greatest work of God, which is the cross of Christ. The cross of Christ. David Pryor said this. He said, we never therefore move on from the cross of Christ only to a more profound understanding of the cross. You know, that, that word cross, it, it's, it's kind of shorthand for the gospel. It's talking about the reality that, uh, that a holy God humbled himself voluntarily. Jesus came to the earth, earned a perfect righteousness as a man, then offered himself as a, as a lamb, as a substitute, as a sacrifice for you and me, when he died on the cross, taking on your sin and my sin and being punished for that, buried three days later, raised from the dead, exalted to the heavenly places. We, we, we capsulize, we, we, we give an abbreviation to that as the cross because that's the central theme we see. In that theme, you know, God is telling you, this is what the Son of God has done for you. He died for your sins. He died in your place. So when you hear the statements, the cross, the cross of Calvary, we're not, we're not worshiping like a piece of wood, a couple pieces of wood together. We're talking about the gospel. And David Price says, we're never going to move on from the cross. We're only going to get a, a deeper understanding of the cross. A brilliant theologian of his time, the Apostle Paul, brilliant man, <laughs> He said in 1 Corinthians 2, 2, he says, I've decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. 
Later on in that chapter, we'll get to it. Later he said, for I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried and he was raised from the dead in accordance with the scriptures. So he has, he has set out, look, this is the center of what we, what we think about, how we teach, what the message is about. It all points to the cross or it's the results of the cross. So here at Grace Community Church, as long as this team is in place, our songs, our teaching, our counsel will center on the gospel, will center on the cross of Jesus Christ. We're going to celebrate it together. You're going to see it all the time. So, but the reality is you also see it in heaven. You're going to see it a lot in heaven. So in Revelation chapter 5, verses 6 and 7, next slide. Speaking of heaven, the scriptures, uh, the, the apostle John, when he saw this vision of heaven, he says, I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain with seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. And he went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb. In heaven, you're going to see the message of the cross. You're going to see a lamb slain. And God would, would give us that heads up. This is very central to who you are now. This is very central to worship. This is very central to our life. And we won't, we won't get tired of this message in heaven. This is a message that we'll go deeper and deeper and deeper. And we'll be more and more humbled and more and more awed and more and more feel a, you know, a gratitude and a joy as we go deeper into this message. So these things fuel our worship, but what makes our singing true worship? Um, I think about many things, but I want to start off with the spirit and truth. Gordon Fee said this, he said, in Paul, power is not to be thought of merely in terms of the miraculous and the extraordinary, but Paul understood the Spirit's power in the broadest possible way. If we think that worship together and singing is us coming to enjoy our songs together and to enjoy the, the singing together the corporate way, and we leave out truth, if we leave out the Spirit, you know, our worship will not be will not be true worship. You know, Jesus said to the woman at the well, he says, God is looking for people who, will, who worship in spirit and truth. And here Gordon Fee says, look, we're not just talking about miracles. We're not just talking about big, big, you know, miraculous healings and things like that. People raised from the dead. We're not talking about just those kinds of things. And, and when we talk about worshiping in the spirit and truth, we're talking about in the very broadest way about what has the spirit got to do with you in worship? you and your, how you serve God. And just jotting some things down, I thought, well, first of all, your salvation is because of the Spirit. You had no desire to know God. You had no desire to follow God. You were not a child of God, and you were not pursuing God, you know. But the Spirit came, and the Spirit drew you. Jesus said, nobody comes to the Father unless the, the, the Father draws him. It's the Holy Spirit 
that was drawing you. He gave you faith. He gave you repentance. He helped you to see that you were on the wrong path and you were serving the wrong one. And he was the true savior of the world. And he gave you the ability to turn from that and any sin that would keep you from that and gave you the faith to see and to believe in Jesus Christ. What else has the Spirit done? He, he renews our mind. He changes the way we think about situations. He shows us truth. He reveals things that maybe we even know mentally, but we don't really believe, we don't experience. He brings things back to remembrance in our mind. He's interceding for us. He has fruits of the Spirit. There are fruits of the Spirit that the Holy Spirit provides for us when we are worshiping, or not just worshiping, but in our lives. But let's keep it in the, in the context of singing together. You know, joy, what is the fruit of the Spirit? Joy. Peace, how do you have that peace? The fruit of the Spirit. You know, God, is, God the Holy Spirit, is in you worshiping. In fact, the scripture says he longs to bring glory to Jesus Christ. He longs to exalt the Son. So you think it's just you and the song team up there singing. But you know what? You have God inside of you wanting to declare Jesus Christ and to celebrate him and to honor him and glorify him. He's inside of you just desiring to express his passion. And he lives in you. He's taken up residence in you. The Bible talks about being filled with the Holy Spirit. And we will, at some time this next year, address the whole, many, many issues, maybe have a retreat or something like that, issues of uh, understanding the broad work of the Holy Spirit. But one of the things the Bible talks about is being filled with the Holy Spirit. And you and I have experienced that to some degree, I'm sure. And we see in the scriptures that there was not just the Pentecost filling of the Holy Spirit. There was ongoing fillings after that. Of the same people, it says, having just been filled with the Holy Spirit, Peter, weeks after that first filling of the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit wants to fill you, just explode in you, and just give you joy. And we'll talk about that in just a few moments here. But the Holy Spirit, you know, in, in Acts chapter 10, when Cornelius and his, and his gang were kind of encountered the gospel of Jesus Christ, it says they were just extolling God. They just all of a sudden they just started praising God. That's the Holy Spirit working inside of people. John 4, 23 and 24 Jesus says, an hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God wants this in you, in your personality, your background, your limitations, your weakness. God wants spirit and truth worshipers, and he's seeking for such people. And let's look at how the Word and the Spirit work together. In Colossians chapter 3, it says this. Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness to God. So you see, that's when, you're, that's when the Word of God is dwelling in you richly. That's what the Scripture says. That's what Paul says in, in the book of uh, Colossians. But look what he says in Ephesians 5, 18 and 19. He says, And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, 
but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your hearts to the Lord in your heart, to God. That's what God, that's what being filled with the Spirit looks like. It's this overflow of the Word of God with singing all kinds of songs, worshiping God. And I love, I love what he shows here in, in Ephesians uh, in this first part. It says, do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Now, why, why would Paul draw from debauchery, you know, people who are drunk and, and almost like in orgies, you know, because we know that that's not what God's asking us to compare this to. But what happens when people are intoxicated with an other spirits? <laughs> Alcohol. They're, they can be loud. They sing more. They're not inhibited. They're just, they're just celebrating. And somehow he's drawing a parallel. Don't look, don't look to get happy with alcohol. You be filled with the spirit. You be filled with the Spirit. And we know being filled with the Spirit has to have some relationship to being filled with the Word of God. But the, the be filled with the Spirit here in, in Ephesians, it says, be filled with the Spirit. Is, is, uh, the tense in the Greek has the idea of, you know, be filled now and be filled again and again and again and again and again. So it's a, it's a let, it's, and it's a passive tense, which means let the Spirit fill you now and again and again and again and again. And typically, you see this similarity to being filled with the Word of God. So something about our worship time together should be characterized by celebration, loud singing, dare I say it, a little bit of loss of the inhibitions that kind of hold us back. I remember, you know, some of you remember Todd Twining. Todd Twining was here many, many years ago, and he was very free in his worship. And I would go to him, like, worship conference after worship conference with him, and I would be the person out there, like, I really want to raise my hands. I really do, and... <laughs> Does anybody looking? He <laughs> was kind of like that. And it was just, it was just hard, because I just felt, this isn't me, but I, there's something in me that wants to be this, and then I experienced various fillings of the Holy Spirit that helped free me. But you know, there was also some instruction that maybe helps your conscience a little bit. I'll just give you a couple of thoughts here. So, you know, some of you are from, you know, ethnicities that use your hands a lot when you talk. You know, you're kind of talking with each other and you're moving your hands and so forth and that. So you're kind of used to communication being more than just your mouth. You know, even just your facial expressions. You're used to kind of using your hands to kind of, you know, talk with one another. That's what raising your hands is. That's really what it is, you know. Because when I grew up, you know, I, I knew what the, all the hand motions meant. When I, when I, we, we, we played, you know, cops and robbers, you know. And this meant something. This means what? I give up. I surrender, you know. So that works with, that works when I'm with God. You know, I just say, God... That's it. I give up. I give up. Or some of you have had little, little kids or grandkids, and they come up to you and they go like this. 
when they come up to you, what, what is that? Pick me up. Pick me up. So sometimes when I'm really hurting, I want to talk to God about that, I'm like, please, I need comfort. You know? I mean, I, I go to football games. I'm not inhibited at football games. I'm, I'm really loud. And if my team gets down to the end, I'm really loud down to the goal line. And when they go in, I'm like, yes, touchdown. <laughs> That's what I do. Yes, touchdown. I don't have any problem doing that. I feel like a man doing that. <laughs> I don't feel girly. I mean, girls can do it too. Um, I used to go that you know with Rick Marsh down to some of the the the, uh, the Terps games, and at halftime these people come with these big old banners and they're like this and they're like, and they're like moving these banners. The Terps, we're part of the Terps. That's who we are. We're Maryland. And sometimes I'm like, I got a different banner now. This is my banner. You know, if you see me doing that, I'm like, I am so glad I'm your son. And I'm so proud of you, God. <laughs> you know, I love being on your team. I love, love, love being on your team. I do. So there's a few. That, that's how I, I, I talk with my hands now. When I'm worshiping God, sometimes I'll punctuate it. There's, like, there's a line coming up and it says, you know, and he rose from the grave. And I'll go, yes, he did. <laughs> He rose from the grave. So I'll punctuate it with, with my finger sometimes. So that's what, that's what, that's what some of us are doing. We, we, we're talking with our hands and with our bodies. And don't feel any pressure to do that. And please don't make that the center of, of what worship is all about because it's not. It's not, that, it's not about that. I know, I know people who, you know, in certain churches are like, hey, we get to dance here. So every week, you know, when the music starts, we all get in there and we start dancing. That's not what I'm going to talk. I'm not talking about that. Not that dancing's not biblical. It is. Ask David about that one. Ask his wife, Micah, Micah about that. <laughs> she was barren because she was kind of thinking she was embarrassing him. My point is this. If you, don't, if you don't raise your hands and all those things, that's fine. But if, you, if we were to take a time and look at the scriptures, look at all the Psalms, look at the Hebrew words that are used for how they worshiped, people are jumping up and twirling around in the, in the Hebrew language. They were jumping up and down. They're dancing, all kinds of things. So we've got some room to make some mistakes here. We do. But the heart is, is really, why? Why would I do that? Why, why, would, I, why would I sing? Why would I be wholehearted? And why would, I, why would I express myself like this? Is it for me? Is it fun? Is it just, you know, for others? Or is it because, you know, I just want to worship God wholeheartedly? Jonathan Edwards, let's go back to a Puritan so we can see if this fits Puritans here. Jonathan Edwards, about wholeheartedness, said this. He said, he considered it his duty to raise the affections of my hearers as high as I possibly can, provided they are affected by nothing but truth and with affections that, do not, that are not disagreeable to the nature of what are, they are affected with. So he says, if it's along lines of Scripture, 
I want to get people as excited as possible about God. I want to have affections for God, he said. Psalm 18, verses 1 to 3, I love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, my deliverer, my God, my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield, the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised, and I'm safe from my enemies. He didn't do that in a monotone, I'm sure. You know, wholeheartedness means if you're suffering, if you're going through things, if you're scared to death, an expression, appropriate expression to God is to just let him know, Lord, God, I need you. You are my refuge. You're the rock. You hold fast to him. Hebrews 13 says, through him, through him then let us continue offer up a sacrifice of praise to God that is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. Another attribute of, of real, true worship is faith. Harold Best said this. He said, the, there's only one way to God through Jesus Christ. That means that God sees and hears all of our offerings perfected. God sees and hears no human, as no human can, all because our offerings have been perfected by, his, by the giver. You know, a lot of us kind of get hung up on we don't have enough faith. You just need to hold fast to the one who's paid your debt, who's, who's brought you into his family. You hold fast to him. He's the one who's going to justify you. You don't look at your track record. You don't look at, you know, how many times you've, you've blown it, you know, if you feel weird or whatever. You just hold fast to him because he's the one who looks at all of our, our, weak, our weakness and, our, and, our, and all our works, and he says, you know what? I've covered all the part that's not glorifying to me, and I see, and I'm going to reward that which is pleasing. And so Hebrews 11:6 6 says, Without faith it's impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. So in our worship on Sundays, are you, are you wholeheartedly extending your faith to, to honor and, and serve him and give yourself to him? Because faith is an important part of what we're doing and saying. It's not, it's not he's, he's, just because you sing words that you see up on the screen that that makes any difference or helps your life. And if you feel like you don't have faith, again, you need to be in the Word of God. Romans 10, 17 says, so faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the Word of Christ. You just need, you and I need to just bathe our mind. Just keep washing it, you know? It's, it's good to be brainwashed if you're washing your brain with the right thing. <laughs> It is. If you don't believe it, then, put, then pray over it. Memorize it. Sing about it. Put it to music. Go over it about 100 times, 200 times, 300 times. I, I tell you, the Word of God will, will have its effect in your soul. It will. And lastly, true worship should lead to surrendering my life or consecration. And singing is one way that helps me to move to that, you know. I can't tell you how many times I sang Thy Will Be Done when I was approaching my wife's death. I, I just had to sing that song like many, 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 many months. But that's where I wanted to be. 
Consecration, surrendering your life. And think of this in terms of the singing part, because maybe you think I'm doing pretty good of giving my life to God. You know, my finances are God's, or my time is God's, or my talents are God's, or show up to church a lot, or whatever you think is, you know, dedication to God. But let's think about this in the, in the, in the sphere of singing, singing to God, worshiping God in, so, in song. Jonathan Edwards said this. He said, I claim no right to myself, no right to this understanding, this will, these affections that are in me. Neither do I have any right to this body or its members or right to this tongue, to these hands, these feet, these ears or eyes. I have given myself clear away and not retained anything of my own. I've given it, I've given all that I am to God. If he wants me to dance, okay. <laughs> if he wants me to raise hands, okay. If he just wants me to just be kind, I mean, we can go off into other areas, but in the worship of song, if he wants me to sing, even if I feel like I'm tone deaf and everybody else around me is not going to like this, you know. I was in India maybe 15 years ago, and Wilson Baria took me to this one unreached people group, a people that had one church for the people with that language. And man, those people worshiped hard. <laughs> I mean, they just loved, 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 loved the worship. And it was just all packed in this room, and there's this little circle about eight feet in diameter, and there would be as many people tucked into that little space as possible, like dancing away with all their might. If, any, if that, anyone ever slipped out of that circle, there's somebody else up in there dancing away and stuff like that. And none of them could carry a tune. Oh my gosh, they were all tone deaf. I was like, oh my, how, how can we do this, you know? Because there, there was somebody was playing something, but it was, nobody was singing anything close to that. I said to Wilson, I said, why is it that all these people can't sing? Like nobody sings well. He said, he said, I think they, just their culture, they chant or something like that, so they don't really know how to sing yet or something. But you know what? They're worshiping, and they caught my attention. Because what I could see, which I can't see their heart, but what I could tell is they were engaged with God, and they love worshiping God. Romans 12, one, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God which is your spiritual worship. 1 Peter 2, this is your calling. If you're a Christian, this is, this is one of your callings that God has given to you. As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious, you yourselves like living stones are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy, a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Worship team, come on up. You are a holy priest. You're a royal priest also, which means you speak for God to other people. But you have a vertical priesthood. You offer up spiritual sacrifices to God. You, you're, you're God's priest. And if we don't worship and praise him, I guess he said, well, I'll get some stones to worship and praise me then. <laughs> I'll, I'll get some of those. But, you know, this is, this is you and me. This is us. Especially when we come together, this is us. We're to worship him. And these sacrifices come through the blood of Jesus Christ, so they're acceptable. 
He accepts them. As imperfect as you think they are, as awkward as you think you feel, you know, he's pleased, just like you would be with your little child making his attempt, you know, to sing a song or to express their love. You see the heart. He sees the heart. Do I have the big idea on this one? No. Yes. I don't. The big idea. I thought it was there too. Well, here's the big idea one more time. We worship in song our great God who reveals who he is and what he's done. That, that's, what, that's what singing is about. It's supposed to be about on Sunday mornings. You know, we are responding. We are, we are pressing into who God is, his nature, what he's done. We're not waiting for emotions to catch up with us. <laughs> They'll come. We're inviting the Holy Spirit to fill us. We're asking God to be glorified in our sacrifice of praise. And that's what it is sometimes. It's a sacrifice because it may not be easy sometimes. And it's a step of faith when, when you're in a tough place. But you don't have to look very far. You got Job, you know, Job, bad thing after bad thing after bad thing. And I don't know if he sang, but it says he, he worshiped. And God would call us to be men and women who respond to who he is first. We're going to move to a time of communion together. So uh, hopefully you have grabbed uh, the elements. And if you have not, they're, they're right outside the door. I think we encourage people to go and get those earlier. We practice open communion here at Grace Community Church, which means if you've placed your faith in Jesus Christ, you don't need to be a member here at Grace Community. You're welcome to to take communion together with us. Uh, if you have put your hope and trust in him, you know, uh, you've placed your faith in him only for your salvation, you know, we would welcome you to remember together with us as we remember the great deeds of God that God has offered himself to pay as a sin bearer to die for our sins. If you've not done that yet, thank you for being here. Uh, we'd love to talk with you or the person brought you, maybe help you understand a little bit more how, how you can have this relationship with such a loving God. Let's take this time to reflect on where we're standing with God. You know, perhaps, perhaps God convicted you. That's a gift of God. That's a kindness of God to put his finger on something in your life. But before we take these elements, I'm going to give you an opportunity for a, few, a minute or two to just, to just say, God, here's where I'm at. And this is what I'd like you to do in my life, in my heart. So let's take a moment to do business, whether it's a, a confession and repentance or if it's a redirecting your mind and heart to what's most important. Let me give you a couple minutes for that. Lord, none of us come to, to you feeling like we really d deserve anything. I, I would imagine that many of us just see how far we've fall short or regularly fall short. And that's why we want to remember you, Lord, because 
you said because of your sacrifice as far as the east is from the west, that's how far you've removed our sins from us. Lord, you said if anyone's in Christ, he's a new creation, the old things passed away. Behold, all things are new. So thank you. Thank you, though you knew who we are and who we would be, and you still drew us to yourself, wooed us by your love, granted us life and repentance and faith and trust in you. Thank you, you're not going to leave, you're not going to forsake. Lord, remember that it was on that night that you took the bread and you broke it. And you said, this is my body, which is given for you. Lord, remind us that it was your body that was given for us. Let's take the bread together. And you said, this is my blood, which is shed for you. Take this in remembrance of me. Thank you for your shed blood. Revelation, worthy are you to take the scroll and open its seals. For you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God. And they shall reign on the earth. Let's stand together to worship. <clears throat>